Beautiful. Hey, man, thank you so much for your time. Uh, no problem. I, I really appreciate you taking time to be here. And uh, it, it's an honor, man. Yeah. So okay. how, are you, how are you doing this week? Uh, it's, it's really good. It's really good. It's, uh, it's really exciting. Yeah. It's an yeah. exciting time at B-Tracks, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Uh, what, uh, what have you guys been up to this week? Uh, there are, it's, it's a crunch time. Yeah. Um, typically, the month of March is really uh, crunch time for any businesses um, with uh, Japanese companies because mm -hmm. that's the end of physical year. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting to know. I just learned a little bit about Japanese culture. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, yeah. man. Well, uh, I just wanted to say again, thanks for, for being here and taking time, mm -hmm. you know, in the next 25, 30 minutes, uh, we're going to talk about, uh, marketing, entrepreneurship, technology, that sort of thing. Okay. Uh, and so, okay. you know, I had, I had originally, originally reached out to you on LinkedIn, um, mm -hmm. just because I'm interested in B tracks and what you guys are doing. Okay. Uh, so let's, let's dive in, man. I've got a couple of questions, uh, sure. to, to start with, if you don't mind. No problem. All right, man. So. Yeah, you you founded uh, B Tracks um, back in uh, 2004, right? That's um, correct. Yeah. But what's interesting here is that uh, you got started in 1999 as a, a freelance web designer. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so back back in the day, man. Um, that's back in the in the Dreamweaver day, right? Doing web design. Yeah, that's that's uh, back in Notepad era. <laughs> right. That's right. Even. <laughs> Prior to prior to Dreamweaver Day, <laughs> that's awesome. That's great, yeah. man. So, dude, I, I would I would love to know, uh, you know, a little bit more about um, your journey, and you know, okay. starting in '99 all the way up to to 2022, and just fill in the gap there. Okay, so um, I was born and raised in Japan, uh, a, a place called Hokkaido. And it's a northern island of the country. Mm -hmm. And my dad is American. Um, he came to Japan after Vietnam War. war mm -hmm. And he met my mother there. And then um, I was there until um, graduating um, high school. So I was supposed to go to uh, college there, but I could, I could not, uh, simply because the uh, exams are really tough. Mm -hmm. So uh, I kind of like... Uh, flew out of the country and landed San Francisco back in 1997 um, to basically get into college in in this country. Mm -hmm. So I started going to community college in um, I think 1998. Mm -hmm. And if you know that time, everyone what everyone was talking about dot com something, dot com business, right. dot com boom sort of. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so naturally, I started um, studying computer science and uh, multimedia design, and I, I was into music. So mm -hmm. at the time, my, my main focus was music, but I just realized that I have more talent in design and art than music. So I quickly shifted towards digital uh, computer graphics, uh, graphic design. Mm -hmm. And then soon after I started taking some, some courses, uh, I decided to become a freelance designer um, simply because I, I'm so passionate about the field, uh, regardless of what sort of skills I had at the, back then, I, I didn't mm -hmm. really care about it. I just put the whatever necessary skills on my resume, uh, regardless of whether I have them or not. So <laughs> the couple, couple um, freelance gigs I got 
back then was um, backend programming and basic web design uh, gigs. And then, so 1999, you said was uh, when I was still in school, college, but yeah. I already started working for um, a couple of companies as freelance designers. And mm-hmm. I had this huge dream of becoming a rock star web designer back then because web design was the thing. And everyone, everyone was making like a six figure right out of college or even dropping out of college yep. because dot-com was crazy. And I had a huge prospect of uh, making a whole lot of money after college, making a whole lot of websites. Um, it, it didn't go that way. Uh, the, uh, as you know, the history of Silicon Valley, all of a sudden everything, everything was gone. Um, Everything was gone. Uh, not only you cannot get a job, uh, most people got hired by those tech companies got laid off. So I didn't have much experience. More experienced designers got laid off. So there's no way I can get a job. So I came up with the second option of starting my own design company because I really wanted to keep doing design. Uh, I think I did have an option to say working for Starbucks, uh, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. I couldn't even think about it. Um, I didn't have any other options but to keep doing design. Yeah. The only remaining option I had was to start a design company in order to be unemployed <laughs> person. <Yes. laughs> so that's how I started the company. Okay, great. Yeah. So yeah. Pri- priority one, keep a job, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Priority priority two, do what you want, do what you love, right? Which is design. Right. right. That's great, man. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that I love talking about uh, in these in these interviews is um, the entrepreneurship uh, yeah. and and what you learned uh, through the journey. I mean, I definitely want to talk about B tracks and what yeah. you guys are doing um, in the Japanese market and how you're helping. Uh, you know, U.S. brands do that, but I'd love to love to dig in a little more okay. about the yeah. entrepreneurship of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. When did you When did you know uh, that you wanted to be a founder? Wanted to be a CEO? Um, just a moment ago, you mentioned that you knew you wanted to stay in design and you wanted to be self employed. Was that yeah. sort of the beginning of it? So, to answer that question, um, I would say I've never imagined becoming an entrepreneur or CEO. Yeah. I never thought about it, actually. Uh, I, I took no business classes in college, mm-hmm. no marketing classes. I had zero interest in uh, starting my own business. So um, naturally, I failed so many times uh, running a company, meaning like B-Trucks exist, uh, fortunately. Uh, through the process, through the journey, I made so many mistakes. Uh, I think the first one was, I think it was in second year, 2005. I think it was 2005 or six, mm-hmm. right after I started this company, um, all the um, employees were gone mm-hmm. in like six months time frame. Um, simply because I was just a designer, not a, a business person not a um, CEO at all, even though my title was CEO, I did nothing about running a business. So that was that was the first realization that I do need to learn. I do need to grow in order to retain this company, uh, survive in the market. 
So I kind of like learned becoming a uh, um, CEO by doing it, by making a lot of mistakes. Uh, they all hurt. Um, it was tough, but that was the only way I, I, I could grow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can, I can notice the sincerity in your voice when you talk about making mistakes and hurting. <laughs> so yeah, it seems yeah. very vivid and real for you. Um, absolutely, can, absolutely. Can, would you, would you mind sharing just one experience in the last 17 years that, that has taught you a lot? Specifically <sighs> failing, specifically failing. <laughs> we need a case study here. <laughs> yeah, there are so many mistakes. So the, the biggest cause of losing employees, um, back then was the how to uh, I didn't I didn't I did not do a great job recognizing people mm-hmm. and evaluating them fairly mm-hmm. so I, I I made a huge mistake of um, being fair is paying every person the same amount of money <laughs> which I did <laughs> so uh, obviously the best performing employee left the company first because yes. he, he thought it was not fair. <laughs> and I, I, I was like, what are you talking about? I'm fair because I'm, I'm paying you guys the same amount of money. You're working 40 hours a week. Same. Yeah. So I try to be as fair as possible. Yeah. This is my way of being fair to you guys. Mm-hmm. And the, the best performing employee left, left first and the least performing employee left the last, but they all <laughs> left anyway. Yes. Yes. Yeah, man. T- definitely not the effect that you thought, you thought it would have, I guess. Not um, at all. Not at all. Yeah. And by the way, I was not paying myself. So I was more like, you know what? Like I'm not getting paid. So uh, interesting. You, should, you should not complain about this because I'm yeah. not, it doesn't matter to them. Yes. I know it doesn't matter to them at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did not realize it. I did not realize it. At yeah. that time. So that was, that, that was a huge mistake. Yeah. That's a really, really good insight, man. I'm glad that you, you're able to explain it so well. Yeah. Um, so let, let's uh, talk about B-Tracks for a second, what you guys do. So you guys specialize in handling, um, helping brands. You guys specialize in helping brands successfully uh, enter the Japanese market. Um, but you guys go about it um, you, let's just say this: you guys go way above like translating marketing material, right? There's really four ways that I saw in my research that you guys provide services. And that is, um, you know, research of your product market fit, um, brand localization. Um, and then you guys also, uh, specialize in the Japanese market entry and then growth marketing once they're in the market. Does that sound pretty accurate? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's our great. Yeah. Yeah. So um, how long did it take you guys to really come up with that library of services? Uh, did you specialize in one first? I would say, so we keep revising our line of services every, I would say three years. Okay. Uh, because the market moves so fast, we yeah. need to keep up with that. In order to do that, the only thing you could do is keep re, re, uh, inventing yourself sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not say innovate, innovating, but like at least reinventing um, the services, keep pressing reset buttons every once in a while. And the current services that we provide, uh, we finalized them about four years ago, I guess. It's about time to refresh it now, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
we started as web design studio first, not, mm -hmm. not related to Japan at all, uh, just plain vanilla website, web design studio. And they turned out that the field gets so competitive. Uh, one of my mentors told me that we, sh we should find the unfair advantage. That was my Japanese background. Mm -hmm. So I started uh, shifting the, um, the service model from web design company to web design and localization company, US and Japan. Mm -hmm. So that's the first step. And then uh, it turned out that web design was not quite enough to retain uh, more than a few people in the company because web design became so uh, commoditized, sort of. So we added this marketing uh, component to it. And we also started adding branding components to it. And then um, we kept working with customers um, and keep asking them what exactly they need. The, the current line of services um, were, was designed yeah, a few years ago uh, based on the needs that our clients say. Hmm. Wow. So you just asked, you just asked your, your customer base, exactly. what, do you, what yeah. do you want? And they told yeah. you. Uh, it's more like what they were their pains. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 That's great. I love it. Just, just uh, ask them and they'll tell you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, you know, it's real interesting. Um, on the client side, um, you know, B-Tracks helps the client all the way through the journey. At least that's what it looks like. Right. Yeah, and, then a, yeah. and then on the consumer side, you guys are, um, really customer centric focused. And I love that. Um, it's like, you know, let's do the product market fit. Uh, you know, and so you start with the consumer and what they want right there in Japan. And then you're looking at brand localization, but it all starts with your, it all starts with the, the, you know, the consumer and what they want, which is, which is beautiful. So can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, of course. So the, the one, one unique thing about this company is that we provide slightly different services to uh, Japanese companies and non-Japanese companies. Mm -hmm. uh, to Japanese companies, uh, we do a lot of workshops and they, our clients want to learn the concept of design thinking, user-centered design, lean startup. And mm -hmm. those are all kind of like a Silicon Valley methods uh, people say, mm -hmm. and it's, it's, to me, it's a really natural thing. Like you really need to understand the users before, uh, designing your services. Yeah. However, many, many Japanese companies are really traditional mindset. Mm -hmm. Uh, they make great products and they sell, they do market those products. However, um, at some point, maybe 20 years ago or so, they lost track of understanding global audience users. So they became so um, tech-centric companies. And now they want to learn about how they can be more customer-centric companies. And we just apply that concept to um, ourselves. Yeah. So it's, it, it comes naturally. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, let me ask you this. When do you feel uh, it's time to shift from, you know, let's say product market fit and uh, you know, you guys feel like you have enough research to just go ahead and launch into, you know, localization. When is that? When does that take place? Oh, well, that's 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 a really tricky question. Um, are you are you asking me about the uh, uh, 
Well, what sort of like signals or yeah. uh, reactions? So uh, do you like, is the client give you, does the client give you a green light and say, you know what, we feel like we're ready? Uh, to oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a whole lot of user testing, user interviews, focus groups, and survey. Great. And, and um, the, the first thing we do on every single project is this um, user and market discovery phase. Okay. And through the process, we talk to potential customers, um, at least like 20 of them, and get honest feedback on their needs. Mm. And when we find out if, if there is um, product market fit, then uh, we talk with the client to move to the next steps. Mm-hmm. Um, or we try to adjust their values and target markets and their messaging to yeah. um, align what they offer with the um, market and customers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed that um, a lot of um, a lot of brands uh, will sort of do it backwards. You know, they'll either uh, provide uh, or introduce their product or service to the marketplace. Right? They'll find out that it's not working well. They don't understand why they go back to the drawing board, make some changes and then reintroduce it. Right. And it's like, I mean, there has to be, uh, that iteration process of product market fit. You can't figure it all out and then go launch and then everything is just rainbows and, and candy. Right. But it should start with research. It, st- it should start with understanding the customer's yeah. pain points. I think you, you touched a really good point here. Uh, <laughs> the funny thing is, as long as you try to adjust your products uh, to the market, you're doing a good job, you're fine. In many cases we have seen uh, is that say, we interview 20 people, for example, and then we inform the client, hey, their feedback was not that positive. Mm-hmm. So let's try to figure out what we should change. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of clients told us to find another set of uh, potential customers because they thought <laughs> yeah. those the first 20 people are not the right customers for them. <laughs> so they, they just tell it like, oh, no, no, we, we just need to find the right people to talk to. They're just not the <laughs> appropriate people. I love it, yeah. They're, they're not our target audience. It turned mm-hmm. out they're not our target audience. So maybe we should try getting different kind of people to mm-hmm. interview for, first. They, they try to get positive feedback. Mm-hmm. So they keep moving on to, okay, uh, next group. Yeah. Next group. Yeah. No, it's not next group. And yeah. a lot of companies do that. And they call it marketing. And they say um, marketing is about finding the customers. Mm. Our reaction is no. Marketing is to make sure your product fits the market. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. That's good. That's really good. It's like, um, it's like shooting the bow and arrow and then painting the target around the arrow. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. Really good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Did you want to say more about that? No, that's, that's, that's really typical scenario scenario that we sometimes get frustrated mm-hmm. <laughs> when, whenever yeah. customers say, uh, either they 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 become so subjective about decision making process. They, mm-hmm. they when they, whenever they start saying, "Oh, we actually like this," or "This we, this is our favorite ideas," it's yes. it's a red flag. Yeah. Or 
whenever they start saying uh, we are not we are not talking to the right right audience here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's a good that's that's a really good point. Um, what is let's say what type what is your favorite type of client? Let's say someone who has uh, a service or a product, uh, which which seems to be easier for you guys to to work with. Um, it doesn't matter. Uh, what we care more is whether they're open-minded and flexible, open to learn learn new things. Yeah. Uh, more often than not, uh, many U.S. clients are really, I would say, arrogant yeah. and stubborn. Yeah. On their products and services, which which may be like the way of expressing their passion. Mm-hmm. At the same time, sometimes they get really inflexible about adjusting their products and services based on different market audience. Yes. And then we have seen so many times uh, US companies try to squeeze their product into a wrong shaped hole, meaning yep. different markets. Yes. I think Uber is a good, Uber is not one of our clients, uh, by the way. Mm-hmm. So Uber, as far as I've seen, Uber tried to um, get into the Japanese market a long time ago. I think it was like 10 years ago, only to realize there is not much need for car sharing or ride sharing there because mm-hmm. there are so many taxis. You can find taxis, um, no problem anywhere. And those drivers are so nice and professional. Yeah. There's no point of getting Uber instead of taxi. Yeah. yeah. And I think they spent like five years spending millions of dollars just to find out, well, Japan needs something else. Mm-hmm. So their main service model now there is Uber Eats, which yes. works absolutely fine. They're they're killing everything. It's absolutely uh, working out. But yeah. it took them about five years just to realize uh, ride sharing is not a thing in Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I I was I was researching it and, and found out uh, the same thing about South Korea. There's just no need. Uh, yeah. huge huge uh, uh, number of taxis and and taxi services that are already yeah. very competitive. It's just not just not a good market. And yeah. by the way, um, I can attest to the the Japanese taxi drivers extremely nice. Um, I I've been to Japan several times. Okay. Uh, and and one. Uh, I missed my flight heading to the airport uh, mm. because I couldn't find an ATM to pot, to pay uh, the taxi <laughs> the taxi driver, and this taxi driver gave me a ride for free. I was blown oh away. I was expensive. Oh. I mean, it was very expensive. He just yeah. gave me for free. I was like, wow, you know, amazing. Um, so yeah, very interesting. I, mean, I, I could talk about product market fit all day long. It's it's so interesting. Yeah. And you mentioned, uh, you know, you get a lot of a lot of resistance when when trying to um, ask your clients to be flexible in this idea, and I think. Um, a lot of it is that we're really in love with our products and services, and we assume that everyone would love them as much as we do. Um, and we spend, you know, eight, 10, 12 hours a day thinking about our products, improving our products and services. Um, and it becomes, it becomes very difficult for us to um, flip our, flip our, you know, shut that part of our brain off and think about yeah, what the prospect, yeah. what the prospect wants and what they, and what they need. But the best thing we can do is go ask them and and so it's almost like, you know, some of these really um, successful companies, uh, you know, they thrive because uh, they're in love with their customer base. They're in love with customer service, you know, and they've built their entire company purely on customer service and which is just simply a feedback loop of what do you want? Let me 
provide that for you? How, how does that feel? How, how does that look? You know, how does that taste? How does that smell? Oh no, not what you wanted. Let me go back and make another iteration until they get it right. And then people are just in love. Uh, and, and of course their profits soar and their name gets everywhere. So, um, but yeah, this idea of going into the marketplace, asking them what they want, making it coming back and asking, it seems to be the, the, you know, holistic way of going about it. So I, I wanted to talk about that because it, I noticed that your, your very first line of service is research, you know, product market yeah. fit. Let's see what yeah. people say. I, it's yeah. so funny. It, it cracks me up when you tell me about these stories of people saying, let's, let's find another, uh, like another, uh, another group. Let's get, let's get some other answers. That wasn't yeah. what we were looking for. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a common, such a common uh, scenario. Great. Um, so is there, let's see here, you've already shared a little bit about uh, your experience failing. Um, when do you feel like was your, let's say your first moment when you realized, you know what, this thing's working, uh, there's success in this. Uh, was it two years in, five years in, 10 years in? It actually was two years in uh, yeah. when we got this first large project from Expedia. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, when Expedia expanded to Japan. Mm -hmm. And back then, uh, obviously, they're in Seattle. They, mm -hmm. they are in Seattle now still and when when i found this uh craigslist job posting ad saying we are looking for japanese speaking web designer copywriter yeah. marketing single person for that amazing and i emailed them hey you're not going to be able to find single person for that however you you should be able to find single agency, which is B-Trax, yep. uh, can handle everything you are looking for. Mm -hmm. And they, um, they, they signed a deal. And I was like, oh, this, this really works. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. How long, how long was that relationship, if you don't want me asking? How long was the project? Um, I think there was, that went for, uh, for like three years. Wow. Uh, it was supposed to be six months gig. They, they kept extending the contract until they established a local office with enough amount of people to take care of everything by themselves. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Dude, that's, yeah. that's, that's huge. That's a huge, uh, uh, story, right? I mean, that's, that's such a success story. So that the flip side of that coin is this disaster of losing everybody yeah. because everybody knows how much we made mm -hmm. the revenue. Yep. And they know how much, how little they make from the company mm -hmm. and they see the gap. Yes. But what, what they don't see is, so say for example, if the company makes a uh, million dollar revenue, mm -hmm. if there are five people, every person says, oh, I'm supposed to get 200K because we have, we have five people. Yeah. The company made a million dollars. Yeah. How come you don't pay us 20k each yeah and i was like oh well uh i don't think that's the way we should do <laughs> and yeah. and yeah. you know <laughs> then everything went mess and yes. crazy. I, I couldn't explain why and yeah yeah that was Makes tough sense. yeah 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 you're right that that is the flip side of that story yeah um or you know I, i'll something about me um i really love to read um, I love this, uh, the, the studying entrepreneurship and studying business. I've got uh, a few books here. This is all, this is bookshelves dedicated to just entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any favorite books that you've read over the years that, uh, that you would like to like to share? 
So um, <laughs> I really like Guy Kawasaki. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, I like his reality check book. It's kind of like a okay. collection of his blog articles talking about uh, the uh, reality of startup lives and entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's so realistic and mm -hmm. it's so relatable. And it really helps me understand everything does not go as planned and it is okay yes uh, being messy is a part of part of the thing and entrepreneur doesn't have to be perfect mm -hmm. entrepreneurship doesn't have to be glamorous mm -hmm. uh, it can be really how do i say not not rock star type of thing it's, it's really yeah. tedious yes and it, yeah. it really helps me understand uh it takes uh patience perseverance and time mm -hmm. so yeah yeah that's I've one heard, of my favorite books yeah that's good I, i've heard someone say that you know real success isn't sexy <laughs> right <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know it's it's putting in the time and the effort and yeah and the stress and all of that um, yeah yeah robert kiyosaki and that was one of the first i think that was one of the first five five books that I read on that, you know, on the topic of entrepreneurship, um, rich, bad, rich dad, poor dad was a, a pretty big one. Mm. You know, that's where he got his wings. I think it's where yeah. he got famous yeah. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Another yeah. one is, uh, damn, I, I, I totally forgot his name. Um, can't believe it. Uh, entrepreneurship roller coaster, mm -mm. um, famous guy, um, entrepreneur, um, a friend of my, um, gave me the book and I read the book. It, it was cool. Like a roller coaster, like entrepreneurship is riding a roller coaster mm -hmm. and it's just, just a matter of how you enjoy or not. Mm -hmm. So there, there are a couple of ways to ride a roller coaster. I hate riding roller coasters yeah. simply because I resist. And the book says it's going to be a roller coaster anyway. You might as well enjoy it. It yeah. goes up. It goes down, it goes sideways, it flips, flips around. It's, but just that's all part of the um, enjoyment of riding a roller coaster. Yes. And as long as you're doing like doing this, you're not going to enjoy it. Yeah. So you might as well do this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's all about, it's all about your posture, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that book is by what, Darren Hardy. I just looked it up. Um, Darren Hardy. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah entrepreneur roller coaster. Yeah. I, I think he's a San Francisco local, so I can relate to him. Okay. Yeah. He, he, he's a what? A local? Where? Uh, San Francisco Bay Area. Oh, San Francisco. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, let me ask you one last question here because I know we're, we're, I'm trying to be sensitive of your time. One Thank last you. question. Um, what is one entrepreneurial concept that you like philosophy, one, one entrepreneurial philosophy that you use every day? <laughs> um, so it, it's, it's dumb, simple. Um, uh, <laughs> it's mm -hmm. almost funny. So when I, when I decided to start a company, uh, I read a couple of books, uh, Dale Carnegie and yeah. Napoleon Hill. Okay. And a book by Napoleon Hill, uh, Think Rich, or is, uh, I've heard the title yeah. of it. The Think books, and Grow Rich. Yeah, exactly. That, the yeah. classic. Mm -hmm. There, There's a single line saying, uh, winner never quits, mm -hmm. quitter never wins. Mm -hmm. So no matter what, mm -hmm. you make millions of mistakes, 
as long as you keep going forward, it, at some point you hit success. So mm. every day I think I'm not going to give up. Right. That's good. I'm not going to give up today, only today. Mm-hmm. Next day, I tell myself, I'm not going to give up this one day. Mm-hmm. And this keeps going last 17 years. Yeah. Every yeah. single day. I'm not going to, for a day, only one day, I'm not going to give up. Yeah. That's conti- great. Yeah. It continues. Yeah. It's such a good mindset. And you mentioned Dale Carnegie. Yeah. Yeah. It's Dale one, Carnegie is good. Yeah. I, lo- I love, yeah. I love his I'm, books. I'm, I, yeah. I'm literally reading it right now. Um, it's, oh, cool. it's a good one. I'm in chapter <laughs> two. So I got it. First time. Uh, what's that? Yeah. First, first time. To oh, read my oh my God. Oh my God. I read that yeah. book at least five times. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really good so far. It's yeah. excellent. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Brandon, man, it's, it's been a great, uh, a great time speaking with you, man, over the last 30 minutes. Definitely. Absolutely. Um, I really appreciate your time. Like I said, taking time, anytime, anytime. Your day. Anytime. So, yeah. uh, all right, man. Well, I wish you success, uh, through B tracks and, um, you know, I'll follow you online. Uh, keep, keep in touch through social media sure, and sure. hope, hope to see in the news with, with lots more <laughs> success, man. I would hope so. I, I really hope the news is good news. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's right. That's right. It's not, yeah. not all of it's good. Right. Yeah. So, all right, my friend, you have a good weekend right. and uh, have, care, have a good one, man. Bye-bye.